Welcome to the Dear Doc Podcast, where we will discuss the business of running a dental practice with a panel of experts. Now, your host, Dr. Christopher Hoffpower. Hey guys, this is Doc Huffer again, coming to you from Alvin, Texas in my home studio. And again, I am joined by Peter, Paul, and Mary, or maybe just Peter, maybe, maybe. just Paul. Who knows? No, seriously, guys. Uh, we, we've got Paul Edwards here. See, that wasn't a very good joke, Paul. I'm sorry. We've got Paul Edwards here from Cedar HR Solutions, and um, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the things that he has pulled down from the Facebook page, The Business of Dentistry. So, Paul, without further ado, I know that we spoke a little bit off camera after our last uh, episode. We did a long format that episode, so it was about an hour. Uh, and this one should be about 15 minutes. So, we're going to keep it as brief as possible, which means I'm going to shut up now. You already know what we're talking about, so go for it. So, in our last conversation, we were talking about associate agreements. And one of the things that we wanted to zero in on was uh, compensation. So in the strings that I'm looking at, you just see every kind of model of compensation out there. You see, you know, I heard that one place was paying 18 to 22%. Another place is paying 35%. So you have host doctors chiming in. You have associates saying, I won't work for less than this. And, and so I just wanted to address it pretty quickly. I'm going right. to cut through all of this. And whether you believe me or not, the best model here is to put together some kind of a guarantee for the first six months. After that six months, that guarantee sunsets and you are, based pay, you are based paid on your net production, the amount that the practice collects. A good amount, a fair amount is 30%. Okay. That's the, that. So I talk to a lot of different doctors who come to me, come at me with a lot of different schemes because they're trying to accomplish things or incentivize. But when all is said and done, we take the amount of production that the, that the associate does and we divide it by what we pay them, however we arrive at that, and it almost comes out to about 30%. Now, I do see uh, different levels. Uh, I, I, we have one model that's pretty cool. It runs 25 to 30%. The more you produce, the more you make. So right. the better you do. So it encourages the dentist to get up to speed, work within our systems, you know, it just, it just gets them, gets them going. And rewards well, let's, them. let's take a step back there and let me read something. All right, folks. Um, one of the things I think is kind of cool about this podcast is that it comes from your questions. This is not just stuff I decided to talk about or Paul decides to talk about. They are actually your letters and posts. So one of the posts that actually engendered this discussion was there have been endless discussions on this topic, but it doesn't hurt to reopen it and get a fresh, get fresh advice. What would be a fair region to be in whenever compensating associates. Some say 20 to 22%, some say 25. Some say monthly average, some say daily, some say bi-weekly. Associate is well seasoned and we are currently at a base plus 28%. Would love some advice on this topic, thanks in advance. So that's actually the, the post that got you thinking about this specific thing. So I just wanted to give credit where credit was due to the original poster. No, absolutely. So the 18 to 20% or that lower thing is part of a different scheme. And it's generally, there's a pretty high base rate of pay that doesn't go away. There's a break point in there after it. And then the associate is getting 20 to 22% of everything over that break point. It's just a different way of approaching it. Where you say to the associate, how much do you need to live on? What would make you happy here? And the associate comes back and says $130,000, $150,000. 
And that never goes away. And at that point, then they're being, uh, all other extra that they're being paid on a percentage is based off of them hitting some sort of goals where they're uh, uh, going above it. For people that are getting in the higher range, so a doctor who comes out of retirement and comes into your practice and has his everything together and can just, you know, rock and roll, you know, you might give him or her uh, 35%. They're not going to be a problem. They're going to come in. They're going to work uh, 22 hours a week as they promised. They're going to, uh, you're going to start taking all Fridays off and, you know, they're going to demand more from you. So it does run the gambit, but in the end, in order for you to be profitable, in order for them to make enough, for them to be happy and not to want to go someplace else, generally you're looking at about 30%. Um, and we could talk about labs and who pays for this. And, you know, you know, there's all kinds of things that can come into play. Certainly, if you got an associate who's coming in who can do IV sedation, you know, now we're talking 45%. So it, 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 does, it does vary, but just kind of wanted to give everybody feedback from all the different practices that we work with. Those are how the numbers work out. Absolutely. So let me, let me look through here and see. I'm going to actually add another one that is somewhat similar. Um, no, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold that off for our next episode. Okay. Let me see here. So our next one is going to be, what is your office policy whenever a dental hygienist wants to request a day off? but he or she is solidly booked for four to six months in advance. In other words, do different employees have different vacation request protocols in your office? I want to try, to try to avoid having to change or cancel on patients as much as possible. Now, I, I'll tell you what I do in my office, and yeah, then I'd like the expert answer for you. Yeah, um, so, Paul, what I do is I just say, hey, Anna, that's fantastic. I'm so excited to hear you're going to be taking a vacation do me a favor, go ahead and uh, let me know whenever you've secured a replacement through the temp agency. And um, then we'll go ahead and we'll, we'll make sure we mark that you're going to be off that day. Okay. So you make her responsible for going to a temp agency that you have that you send her to. Um, Absolutely. That's, that's really a, that's a great approach. You know, the problem is, is not everybody has that temp agency. Um, and in some states, you actually cannot require an employee to find their replacement, whether they're sick or going on vacation. Please tell me we can do that in Texas because that's um, where I, I, I You can do that in Texas. <laughs> we um, do anything in Texas. Well, you can. Yeah, you know, you can, but you know, you're getting ready to get mandatory paid sick leave. It's, it's about to happen. Oh, you're getting. I love yeah, that. Most of Texas it's coming to. So, so look, I like the, think of it by department. So if you have one hygienist, you have a department of one, right? It would be okay to have, a, I think it's a great idea to ask clinical staff like a hygienist and, or an associate to give you more notice than other employees must give. It's totally within the realm of reality to need them to do that. Six months, that's a lot. And that your hygienist is booked solid for six months I mean, I have some knowledge in, in dental, dentistry. That's a long time for her. I, I think you might need other. I was going to say, you need, another, you need one more hygienist and probably a doctor too. Yeah, probably if that's the case, but that's not our track. So um, right. yes, it's okay to ask someone in the clinical stat, uh, in the, on the clinical team who are uh, uh, scheduling way out to give you more notice. And just, you write it into your policy and just say hygienists need to give us. And, and I would say, you know, two months is about all you can really ask of people. You could ask more. Legally, you can ask more. You just want right. to, you know, you, you want to be reasonable with your team. You really 30 want days, 30 days is not enough for them. Yeah. 
All right, so let's, uh, let's take a look at this next one. Do any of you have the capability to send an informative communication text blast to all of your patients? Yeah, absolutely. I've asked Lighthouse if they will assist in this, and they said it is not an option. What companies have this as an option? And our dental software, and our dental software is Dentrix. Um, yeah, for some reason, they autocorrected from our to our. So, Paul, what, what's your thought on that when you pulled this one? Well, you said there's a HIPAA component. Yeah, there's a HIPAA component to this. Just realize that you can't just contact your patients about something that doesn't have to do directly with their treatment. Um, and even then, you got to be careful about what you say inside of your communication with them. So I just want everyone to be careful that if they do something like this, that you have your uh, patients uh, sign the proper HIPAA forms, um, which allow you to inform them about stuff that's going on. There are a few things um, in HIPAA that you can speak to your uh, uh, patients about without getting their permission. But here's the thing. Once you open up that channel, somebody else is going to come up with a good idea. They're going to fire something out down that channel without checking with you, and it's going to violate HIPAA. So, so Okay, now, careful. pardon me on this one because I have a little squirrely ignorance on this one myself. I, I didn't think there was any problem with sending out things to patients. And, and so like out as a specific, I'll say, okay, end of the year benefits type stuff. I will send a text with a little video that talks about how they're about to lose their benefits and the big fat cats who control the insurance companies are going to get them. So that's not specifically talking about their treatment, but it is talking about the benefits for their insurance. So it's kind of in a tertiary sense connected. Is that a good thing or bad thing? Can you no, do that? That's, to that's totally okay. So that would be one of those uses of their information that would be, that would be a reasonable use. So give us um, an example of something that is not a reasonable use. Um, you know that you send out a, uh, um, that you send out a communication to them and you are making them aware of a new service which you are uh, endorsing. And uh, let's say you do sleep, you're going to do sleep apnea stuff. Okay. That may cross the line depending on, depending on the context of how you use it. So all I'm saying is, is understand this, these rules, put the form in front of your patient and get them to give you permission to be able to contact them about the stuff. And this isn't permission to sell their stuff or give their text to another company, you know, their, their phone numbers or their emails or anything like that. Um, this is just simply to be able to converse with them. It's a form. Very interesting. So here's an interesting question for you as a return on that one. Okay. Can I send them a happy birthday message? Because that yeah. has nothing to do. But no, you, you honestly, come on, Paul. No, no, to, no, no, you can do that. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely fine. All right. So let me see here. So in our next question. Oh, by the um, way, not yeah. through Facebook. You can't send it to them through Facebook. You, right. you cannot wish your patients happy birthday through Facebook. No, what if no. they're your friends? You're double, uh, double jeopardy there, man. If you I don't wish them happy birthday, you're screwed. Well, technically you're not <laughs> supposed to, but I think as a friend you can. I, that, that, I'd have to pull my expert in for that one. Well, but, you, what, if you're, what about your wife or your girlfriend? You're going to get in uh, a lot of trouble here, Paul. I know, I know. I'm not, sh I'm not sure how to answer this now. <laughs> just, just stop talking right now. Yeah, just stop talking. All right, guys. So uh, let me see what our next question is. And I, go, I hope you guys in the audience are having as much fun as Paul and I are uh, with some of these topics here. All right. So what is your office policy regarding holiday pay and paid time off for part-time employees? For example, well, I don't have one. 
because they don't get it. Uh, for example, your employer crews 0.02 hours per, per each hour of work, but is only assigned to work on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. Do you pay holiday pay for a holiday that falls on a Monday? No. Take, for example, Labor Day for uh, blah, blah, or the same employee's scheduled holiday falls on a Wednesday as Christmas does this year. Do you pay holiday pay for that holiday? Yes, if they're scheduled, you do. Or is the employee required to use PTO time if they want to be paid for that day for the office being closed? Just curious what everyone else's structure is regarding part-time employees and time off and holidays. Guys, real quick, I want to say something before Paul blows us away with the wisdom of this new answer he's going to bring us. It's not people's opinions. It's not their structure. It is what is the law and what is the law in your state? That is the only thing that's important. So Paul, talk to us a little bit about this question. So when we talk about PTO and we talk about, first of all, when we talk about PTO, I want everybody to be careful out there. So I'm going to take a little sidetrack on this and then I'll answer this thing about the, um, about the uh, part-time employees. PTO says paid time off and a lot of people lump their vacation and their sick time into one big basket and it's like you get 14 days or five days or whatever, whatever you decide um, and you do with that what you want. Use it as a mental health day, take, take a week off of vacation. Um, you might put in your policy, you can't take more than five days of it in a row. Um, right. And, and so you put it all in one thing. But when they pass these mandatory paid sick leave laws, now they're in about 31 jurisdictions. Arizona has it. You have three or four jurisdictions trying to put it into place in uh, Texas. California has it. Um, and I could go on and on and on. It must be Austin and Dallas and some other liberal place. It's, but, you know. I think San Antonio or Santa Fe. I can't remember. Yeah, but San yeah. Antonio. Yeah, you're getting it. You're, it's coming. Uh, so, look, you, when you have a PTO model, and you have these mandatory sick days, you have to pretty much abandon the PTO model and go back to sick and vacation. Because the sick days generally carry a bunch of uh, new laws and regulations that protect employees when they're using those sick days. And one of those is, is you can't require them to give you notice. So yep. in PTO, you won't notice if they're going on vacation, Absolutely. but if you lump them all together. And Those it's things, a common sense thing. You can't say when I'm going to be sick. I mean, no. I, you can't. Monday, I plan on being sick because this weekend yeah. I'm tearing it up. Yeah. But, you know, honestly, you can't do that. And the problem is, is that it's the law of unintended consequences. Yeah. You know, people abuse the system. Yeah. So you have to separate those two. So just keep that in mind. And maybe I'll come back and really talk about PTO sick and, and mandatory. You know, the other thing is you can't retaliate against someone who uses their sick time. So in Arizona, right. If you fire someone within three months of them using one of their bona fide earned sick days, it is presumed that you're retaliating against them. And so that kind of blows the at will thing out of the water. So now documentation plays a big role. Um, well, and, you know, and I'm going to tell you exactly what, and because I know these people and uh, I know <laughs> I'm exactly what someone's going to say in response to this. Uh -huh. Oh yeah. Well, I'll just decrease their hours guys that can still be seen as punitive. Oh, absolutely. They decrease their hours. Oh, yeah. The way I'm going to punish them is decrease the hours. I'll put them in the basement, you know, with their computer. I'll just make yeah. them do the crappy work and I'm going to decrease their hours. They're going to suffer. You're going to still be in trouble, guys. They, they yeah, report you. Con constructive discharge is what, the, what, the, what that's called. So, so where were we? We went on. Oh, oh, what to do about part time people? Yeah, part time. Hey, good news on, um, on holidays and vacation. You have all the say, all of it. You get to say. 
So what many practices do is they say, uh, this is the reason why you designate people full-time and part-time. Many practices say if you're part-time, you don't get any benefits, okay? A lot of practices do that. Some of our practices don't feel that that's fair, and they have long-term part-time employees, and, you know, it makes perfectly good sense that they'd like to give them a little bit of benefit. Right. So, you know, you got somebody who's been working for you for eight years, and she works every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and she's an awesome employee. I, I mean, you know, you want to give them, you want to give them I'm, some I'm room? probably an awful person, but um, you don't qualify <laughs> in my practice uh, even to have a key or an yeah. code until you've worked there for six months. Right. After six months, you're part of the family. But before then, you're a sketchy uh, redhead stepchild. It's yeah, no, I think that's not a bad idea. That's your getting acquainted period. And, and, Absolutely. Uh, and you're just saying, you know, that, uh, this is when I, I really can know you. And, you know, that, this, got, this crosses all the way over into working interviews. I mean, the, the point is, is a working interview. Do we really want to open that bottle? Well, no, but it's useless. It doesn't work. I, I, I mean, it, it, you, well, it's not legal either. It's not well, legal. It's not, it's not. Well, as long as you pay them as an employee and put them on your payroll and give them a working interview and fire well, yeah, them. Yeah, right. Exactly. Then, the then problem is, is that if you have a working interview and they weren't paid, they can, they can sue you for not paying them and having yeah. them work because they're involved in doing the business of your, of your business, right? If I remember. Yep. And the second thing is that they can also file unemployment people. Oh yeah. Yeah. You doing the working thing. And even if you pay them in a check, that's not, um, that's not legal either. Um, cause they're your employee. Remember social security and withholding I do taxes. Something. And I'm probably going to get in trouble with it. So, um, I'll, I'll ask you about it on the air. So I'll stop doing it if I'm wrong. Okay. So if, if I'm even, even safe, it's because I've skirted the rules very carefully. Okay. You, you wanted to come in for a working interview. I'm so sorry, Miss Smith. We don't do those. Those are not legal in the state of Texas. If you'd like to come in and volunteer, I'll have you sign a waiver and, we always make sure that we give you a nice gift card at the end. Oh yeah. No, that's not legal. Yeah. Yeah. You can skill test people. No more of that. No more of that. You can skill uh, test people. You could have her come in. Um, if she's going to be a dental assistant, uh, set up a tray, show it to her in the hallway. Right. And say, now go in there and set up that tray as close to this as you can. And you, but can you have to pay her then, don't you? I'm sorry. Say that again. But do you have to pay them then? No, that's a skills test. Okay. So think of it this way. Think, think they about, just can't actually be getting, you can't be making money from what they did then. That's exactly right. They, the, the way the law reads is they can't be replacing what an employee would do or okay. you can't benefit from what they're doing. So I like this example. Everybody gets it. Ship builders. So you're in Virginia, you're out in Norfolk and you want to get a job. You're looking or you're looking to hire someone. Guy comes to you and says, I'm a welder. I can weld. I, I, I want to work for you. You send them over to the scraps. You say, weld those two pieces of metal together and let me see your bead. Right. You're well, for those of you who don't know what that means, it's the, the scene between the two pieces of metal. Um, and so you see it, and from there, you can say, you know what, I can hire you if you can do that on that ship. And now you, uh, they fill out their I-9, their W-2, you tell them what they're going to get paid, and you, and you put them on payroll and you send them out to the ship. What you can't do is send them to the ship right. to weld a scene for you because now they're – they're, they're actually doing work. Well, I'll tell you what, man. If that was me, I would have to be asking where the, where the grinder was because my gorilla welds would not look so good. They're strong yeah. as a beast. But yeah, not they probably, yeah, mine are not. My welding is um, uh, junior year in high school, so it's not. <laughs> when they had home ec and, and shop class, do you remember that? 
vocational classes back then, man. I think they should rebring it. I think they should bring this back. I think they still have them out there in some schools. Yeah. Well, folks, um, that has made another one of our short episodes. Um, again, Paul, thank you for joining me and uh, giving us the benefit of your years of experience in this field. And um, guys, thank you for using another of your half hours of breath to listen to me yammering on and uh, talk to you about the business of dentistry. For right now, that's all. Paul, do you have any parting words? You know, Chris, I think I'm actually starting to like you a little bit. That's it's just because you, you saw I have a drum in my, in my, uh, my studio. Well, yeah, there's hope for you. <laughs> Bye, guys. You have a fantastic day. Thanks for listening to the Dear Doc Podcast, your source for the business and legal questions associated with your dental practice. Don't forget to subscribe to the Dear Doc Podcast on all major platforms.